and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about understanding micronutrients. Micronutrients are tremendously important for every crop there is out there. Don't be confused. They aren't called micronutrients because they're not important. They're just called micronutrients because they're needed in small quantities. If you've got any questions about this topic or anything that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so with the micronutrient thing, Darren and I were just kind of laughing before uh, the radio show started because there was something that somebody had put out recently about it's a myth that you need to test all your micronutrients. It's like, what? Do you, what? You, you have to test your micronutrients. So one of the, we were just talking about this in the show yesterday. One of the best things that we've done on our farm here in the last few years has been to start to compare soil test grid points in the soil test data with yield. And because of that, that's given us a much better understanding of what do we actually need for phosphorus levels in the soil and potassium and even soil pH, but also for micronutrients. And it's not just the micros on uh, by themselves. It's also the ratios. So for example, phosphorus to zinc, phosphorus to copper. We are finding there are ranges where if we get our ratio right, we get a lot better yield. And that's what we're all after. So today we'll talk just a little bit about understanding micronutrients, but right now let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, this one came in from Chad, and he is over in southwest Minnesota. He said, guys, I am doing fall strip till in my enlist soybean fields, uh, hoping not to do any tillage at all in the spring. And my biggest weed problem is water hemp. So I was planning on using um, Spartan or Authority plus Metribuzin, and looking for something else to mix with that. I'm just curious, are you still recommending Prowl in this situation since I'm not doing tillage? And if so, yes. what recommendation would you have for a, a rate that I would put on along with an Authority MTZ type product? Probably three pints. We really like Prowl and Trifluralin, and quite frankly, Sonalan too. It's just mo- most people won't spend the money for Sonalan. Um, it's, it's the best of the three. But the yellows get undersold quite often because a lot of people think of them just as grass herbicides, but they're actually really good on a lot of the small seeded broadleaves, including water hemp. Now, there are also some people that really shave the rates. And if you want to run with a 25%, 30% rate, I mean, you'll still get some grass control. You're just going to miss out on a lot of those small seeded broadleaves. So three pints is kind of the standard rate out there, but it does depend on the formulation you're using. You can just look at the label because there's Prowl H2O, there's Prowl 3.3 EC, so it's important to understand exactly what you've got. But yeah, right, it's somewhere around that three pint rate. That's kind of the standard thing. You throw that with your authority or Spartan, same thing there, uh, and Metribuzin. Now you have three effective Modes of action on water hemp, which from the way it sounds is your biggest weed problem. Okay, uh, thanks for the question. Get this one from Doug over in Illinois. He said, Guys, thank God for global warming. Every day, millions of people are drinking fresh water from Lake Michigan, which was formed by a glacier that melted supposedly 10,000 years ago. 
Every day I'm born. I'm grateful to be born in that part of Illinois that was once covered by glaciers because the glaciers formed our deep prairie soils, which allows me as a farmer to feed the world. Unfortunately, uh, that same melting glacier stopped at the Shawnee Forest in southern Illinois, and all they grow there is rocks. <laughs> so in my case, thank God for global warming. Hey, thanks, Doug. We appreciate that. Well, okay, so we were talking about carbon and global warming and everything else. There's another one. Read the next one. It's the exact opposite, basically. All right, this one came in from James, and he said, uh, Ag PhD says there is global warming, there is global cooling. There is no global cooling. I don't pretend to be a climate scientist, and neither should you. The scientific community is almost 100% in agreement that global warming is occurring at an expedited rate due to humans, mostly due to the burning of fossil fuels. Okay, so this thing really got off course on us here. We were simply talking about how, as farmers, we have the opportunity to earn a bunch of money with what they call carbon credits. And we were trying to explain the reason why. And I'm, I'm sure it was my fault because I made some statement, something like, whether you believe in global warming or you don't. And right there, a whole bunch of people got all worked up. Because there are some dramatic opinions out there. In terms of the facts, there is, there was global cooling. And that was the comment that I made on the radio just a day or two ago. Again, getting totally off course here. That's That was the ice age. Okay, That's a fact. That happened. Yes, there's global warming. That's a fact. That's happening. But it's cyclical. And we don't know if we as human beings are causing all the problem, part of the problem, none of the problem, whatever. Our whole point wasn't to even talk about global warming. I don't care. I mean, and as I say, I don't care. I'm not saying I don't care that the planet's going to die. I don't care about that in this particular instance because we are simply saying, as a farmer, you have the opportunity to get carbon credit money. That's where we're going with this. And the reason why we have that opportunity is because there is this big push toward reducing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The way that you reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is you have more plants that are more productive that bring in more of the carbon dioxide because that's what they breathe. And then the good news is when these plants are doing better, like for example, when we're getting higher yields on the farm, what do the plants do? They kick out more oxygen. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And the other thing is, if you want to sequester that carbon, then you have to build soil organic matter. Well, that's also a great thing for farmers and for our soil. So sorry to everybody that we somehow offended here by talking about global warming whatsoever. I'd, I simply want to stay on the side of, let's talk about what we can do as farmers to earn more money and make our soils better. We can pull more carbon out of the air. We can sequester it in the ground, make our soil better. And at the same time, yes, we're reducing carbon dioxide out there. <sighs> we'll get to more fun questions here in a little bit, but we're going to talk about micronutrients right after this. Pasture spraying season is upon us, and your spray window may be longer than you realize. Many weeds like musk thistle and Canada thistle are still able to be controlled after a few light frosts. If you've got some ground that's losing productivity to invasive weeds, turn to proven answers like Weedmaster and Burnmaster from New Farm. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, and we are talking about understanding micronutrients on our show today. And Brad had mentioned there was a, a an article published saying it isn't it isn't important to test for all the micronutrients. And I do really wonder how are you going to manage them if you haven't even tested for them? How do you even know if you have them in your field? Plants have many essential elements that they need. And we focus a lot of attention, and I would say rightly so, on nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur. Uh, but then you see a lot of farmers looking at one micronutrient or another, and maybe you're guilty of this too. It's, well, I'm going to throw a little bit of zinc on because I'm planting corn, or I'm going to throw a little boron on because I've got alfalfa out there. What about the other micronutrients? They are still essential for our crops. That's why we suggest measuring them and seeing what your levels are at. Real happy to have Alan Perry with us right now out in the state of Maine. He's with the Farm Technologies Network. How you doing, Alan? Hey, not bad. Well, I don't know if you How caught you? the... Oh, pretty good. I don't know if you caught the first part of this, but there was uh, recently an article published saying you don't need to measure and, and know your levels of all the micronutrients. And uh, I know we've talked about this a number of times that, man, there's a lot of different micronutrients out there that our crops need to pull in. It's pretty pretty hard to manage them if you can't measure them yeah and i think right now this year on everybody's mind is the increase in cost of everything and fertilizers no exception so um rather than uh um, spend money and not know exactly what i'm doing i'd like to have a measurement they're not that expensive yeah yeah i agree and that you're right about that and you know when we talk to different fertilizer suppliers around the country really a lot of them don't even keep some of these things on hand other than maybe in a a blended liquid product how how do your growers that you work with deal with micros are are they sometimes sourcing individual nutrients or for the most part are they using blends to to address the needs of your crops Uh, we encourage our growers and we're very lucky where we are we happen to have some really good suppliers for us but 
Um, we have uh, a full range of micronutrients in both a dry form and a liquid form. And we often use blended mixes at planting time because it's convenient and an easy way to measure. Uh, but then during the growing season, we often will use uh, liquid products if we want to add a little bit and uh, make up for the weather or make up for some crop growth that we hadn't planned on. When, when we look at these micros, Alan, uh, I know a lot of growers that, that we'll get questions from and that we'll talk to throughout the year will say, well, I'm, I'm working on zinc, uh, I'm raising corn, or I'm working on boron, I'm, I'm raising alfalfa. Uh, do, you, do you find that ends up being the result of, of doing soil sampling, or do you find a lot of growers get surprises and, and realize, man, yeah, I have plenty of that nutrient. What I'm really lacking is something else. Um, yeah, we often will see... Um at least uh, a high level of at least one of the micronutrients, depending on what part of the country you're in. Um, California, of course, boron levels are real high because of the desert climate and the, and the mine out there. Um, but it, it depends on where you're farming. You should know where you are. Um, but, you know, you get taste and color and storability and shape. So, you know, certain fruits and vegetables um, – appearance is everything all right you mentioned that and and i i do talk to people that say well how come this year my vegetables don't taste as good as they did the year before is it sunlight related or nutrient related um how, how do you adjust those things and how how do you have people i know there's sommeliers for wine but do you have people that are tasting blueberries and tasting uh tomatoes and and other things to see well how, how do they taste are they are they the right taste profile well, uh, we do a lot of potatoes here, and uh, potatoes aren't usually at the top of anybody's list for uh, a super um, memorable vegetable necessarily, but you'd be surprised how many comments we get from our non-farm consumers. They'll call and say, what did you do with those potatoes? They're so white when we cook them, they smell better, and they just taste so much better. The, our body is programmed to go after those minerals uh, that's why you think they taste good. Your body needs those minerals for human health. That is a big thing, too, to think about is is the human health aspect and even the livestock health aspect for many of the crops that get raised for feed. Um, when when we start managing these things in our soils, uh, it, it, it tends to go all the way through the system. So that that's a really good deal long term. Uh, when when you look at this, Alan, where, where do you start? How how small a basis do you need to be soil sampling on or zone sampling on to, to get a good feel for this and, and get things moving in the right direction? Well, anytime we're in a place that's new to us and we don't have much history, we only put a certain amount of weight in the first soil test. Soil tests aren't perfect. But if we're in an area that we're familiar with and we've been testing for a while, we get a sense of where the levels normally would be. And then we look at, has the grower been doing anything unusual that would change those levels? Um, you don't need a lot of it for these trace minerals to have an effect, uh, but they're quite pricey and you don't want to waste them. Um, and there's a certain process to it. You can't, you can't overcome a big calcium or potassium deficiency just by working on trace minerals. So um, just like playing the piano, there's a certain system to it. And if you have a good consultant that can help you a little bit, we can make it seem very simple. 
Well, speaking of consulting, we're talking with Alan Perry here at the Farm Technologies Network. Uh, Alan, when, when you try and address these issues, uh, I know a lot of times we'll talk about banding certain things to to just feed this year's crop. But when it comes to micros, I, I know we've talked before about broadcasting those. Is that what you do in all cases with the, with the micros? Or are there some times that you'd say, you know what, banding might be a smarter move here? Well... I think on paper, uh, as the teacher, I would say, yeah, we'd like to broadcast those. We'd like to make the acre as big as we can and let the plant roots spread out and have a chance at getting these micronutrients whenever they need them. But uh, with our potato crops, we put a lot of our our fertilizer on with the planter. That's in a band, uh, and it's just convenient for us. So we put quite a few down as a banded product as well. the more you know about the the materials and how they work, the more you can figure out when you can break the rules a little bit. We're talking with Alan Perry here. Alan, uh, you know, as you look at uh, micronutrients timing as well, a lot of times farmers will say, okay, I want to do this as soon as I can after I get my crop off in the fall or right after harvest if I'm raising something that's going to get harvested in the summer. Is that the right time to do it and give these micronutrients more time in the soil? Or do you want to wait until the crop really needs them before you put them out there? Well, two things. Uh, Some are water-soluble, and they have a tendency to get away. Uh, So if you're in a wet area, you have to be conscious of that. Uh, But I think it would be better for the growers to kind of have a a three- or four-year plan in their head. Some of these things like copper sulfate, zinc sulfate, may take a couple years before they break down enough to get the levels to change on a soil test. And so um, don't think so much about feed the crop all the time. Uh, we're a feed the uh, soil program, so think of a three or four year program for feeding the soil, and then use your sprayer to kind of add during the year if you want to feed the crop. Um, you get some fungus control, some insect control from the zinc and copper and manganese. Uh, easy to add a little bit during the season if you have that base out there in the soil that's working. Uh, one last question for for the organic production acre: How, how do you meet micronutrient needs? Uh, most of the products that we would recommend uh, for our growers are certified organic. You have to check a little because one state may have rules that are a little bit different than another. Uh, the first thing that we always hear is that the organic certifiers, they'd like to see that soil test to justify the usage of the micros and the amounts that we're using. Um, so they want to be more careful with the measurements, but we get very little pushback on the materials that we'd use. We use sulfate forms. Um, they're quite friendly, quite readily available. Um, not not a problem uh, for organic growers and really helps a lot with insect and disease control to get those micronutrients right. Talking micronutrients on the show today, and our first guest here has been Alan Perry with the Farm Technologies Network out in Maine. Alan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Hey, no problem. Thank you. We'll talk more about micronutrients, and we'll take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. That's coming up next. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way. 
including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is the time to head into your local CNB. Find out about the great deals CNB has to offer on new and used John Deere equipment. Stop into your local CNB and visit with their team of experts or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about understanding micronutrients on today's program. And we're real happy to have Kyle along with us right now with Kinsey Ag. Kyle, thanks for joining us today. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. All right. I, I get to look at a lot of soil tests, but I know you get to look at a ton of soil tests throughout the season. What do you see with micronutrients? What what would you uh, say, just a broad statement about are, are most people testing for them? And if so, are there some that are just consistently short that you'd say, man, you really got to watch these ones? Well, as far as speaking for micronutrients that are generally short, uh, we always see that boron leaches out just about every year. Everybody knows the importance of boron and, uh, you know, it's, it's a driving force and a lot of the, you know, reactions that we have and we need for the chemical makeup of the plants and how it grows. And 
also boron helps get that calcium inside of the plant and the calcium helps get the boron inside of the plant so that's that's our probably our biggest uh, nutrient that we look at as far as micronutrients but you can't put a value on manganese or copper as well and even zinc for water holding capacity so they all play their own part in enzyme reactions and protein transports and everything that that plant needs to grow and be healthy. You know, manganese does a lot for seed germination and even molybdenum is good for nitrogen reactions, helping fix the nitrogen fixation in the soil. So, <clears throat> Yeah, there's a, there's a reason for each of these micros and, and why we're watching them, measuring for them and, and trying to, to manage those levels. I know when you, you think about balance with some of these nutrients, uh, we can get into a really long discussion here too, but uh, each one of these plays a role. I think uh, you can certainly be watching crops, seeing where we're struggling, if we're struggling with um, standability, if we're struggling with, hey, our, our uh, grapes are tearing open, the skin isn't very sturdy and strong on them or flexible. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you just find different needs for some of these nutrients. Do you, do you find it varies by crop what guys are looking at or or do you see you know what if you're short on your corn crop uh, you're going to run short on your soybean and your wheat crop after it generally yes if you're running short in anything then you're going to it's going to translate over if you don't put it back because every time that plant needs something in there and if it's not getting what it needs it needs to be put there or else it's not going to get what it's not going to find it magically in the soil. So we have to put it there or else it's not going to get it. And generally what we see is with a corn crop though, <clears throat> it's going to take more boron than what a soybean crop would necessarily. So we're, we're thinking about that before you're planting, you know, you give us an idea of what you're going to be planting and then we can go with that and see what we're going to what we need to do to make sure that you get a good stand out there and you know what nutrients are going to be ideal and in what quantities to make sure that you can get the yield and the production that you're looking for. Um, so it just all depends on what you're growing. That's for sure. And and then where you're at and, and what kind of soil you've got. I know you get you get to look at some of the tough ones, Kyle. You look at some of the real light sandy soils compared to, to some of the real heavy soils out there. And I know, you know, when you get into different rainfall environments and, and uh, sandy soil versus heavier soils, high organic matter soils, you got to ma manage these things just a little bit different. We talk a lot about boron and we're concerned about boron moving through the soil too fast. Are there any of the other micro that come to mind that you'd say, man, this is another one you really have to watch out for, especially if you've got lighter sand to your soil? Um, not necessarily. <clears throat> You're prone to leaching no matter what in a sandier environment. That's why we stress so hard the calcium-magnesium balance, if you're familiar with our program. Uh, mostly when sandier soils, you're thinking about magnesium more than calcium because uh, magnesium is what helps disperse that clay and helps build a tighter soil and decrease that porosity so that you can keep those nutrients hanging around longer and in sandier soils and lighter soils that's going to be even more of a key than in a heavier environment where you have all this holding capacity and the nutrients stick around long enough for that plant to be able to uptake but your anions or negatively charged nutrients are going to fare a lot worse than your positively charged 
ions uh, as far as in lighter soils or even in heavier soils. We're constantly having to watch those and put those back. When when you look at depth of soil samples, Cal, we get a lot of questions about this with when it comes to, to any any nutrient, but with micronutrients as today's topic, I'll I'll start there. Where are you looking for them? Is it mainly top six inches or so of soil or are you concerned about having them deeper in the profile too? We're worried about the top six and three quarters inch. We use mostly that aerobic zone and tilled ground. Uh, top six and three quarters, that three quarters is basically uh, a little bit of that anaerobic zone as well, just to see what we have down there. But you don't want to go too far in there because the life in the soil isn't really converting those nutrients anymore. They're just kind of falling in suspension. So what we're trying to do is just get a measure of that aerobic zone as best we can. And then unworked ground, you know, say orchards and things like that, we're looking for more uh, four-inch depth sample because that's where that uh, – that aerobic zone is so wherever those wherever that biology is working uh to help convert those nutrients is where we're trying to look at to see what uh what our nutrient levels are there's a lot of things to to think about here when it comes to soil fertility and we're talking about micronutrients today because honestly a lot of folks aren't watching micros very close uh, i know we've still got some work to do watching the big ones like npk and sulfur but uh these micros need some more attention to one of the guys that's that's doing that for farmers literally around the world is kyle long with kinsey ag uh kyle thank you so much for being on today really appreciate it thank you very much Dan. you bet Talking micronutrients on the show today, but we're getting a lot of different questions in on uh, other things. One came in on BT, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Mike, uh, Mike said you guys were talking about GMOs like BT corn and and the safety factor and. I'm just concerned that farmers are just looking at it from their selfish standpoint of cutting costs, enlarging profit margins, and not really caring about all this BT out in the environment. Is it something to be concerned about? Mike seems pretty concerned about it, Brian, or or what, what do you think with the BT corn? Well, if you're concerned about BT corn, then you need to be concerned about organic corn production out there as well, because in organic corn, Dipel is labeled. Dipel is virtually the exact same BT that's now produced inside the corn plant in what we call BT corn. So if you're not good with it on the uh, on the BT on the biotech side, then we're not then good with it on the organic side either, which then means we got to go back to chemicals being sprayed on the corn to kill those bugs, but a lot of people aren't okay with that either. So my point is we don't have a magic wand to wave over the crop and somehow kill those bugs. We have to do something because let's talk about that real quick and say, okay, well, let's just do nothing. Well, then it's a proven fact there will be more natural carcinogens now in that corn because the corn plant will be under stress. It's the same thing in human health. Like what does your doctor say when you go there and you're all stressed out. The doctor says, hey, you've got to reduce stress. Well, why? You are far more likely to get sick when you're stressed out. Why? Because the body's reacting to that negatively. And the same thing is happening in plants. Natural carcinogens are being produced at a much higher rate when those plants are under attack from weeds, from insects, from diseases, from anything. So we're trying to protect that plant and help it. 
The good news with these BTs, and the reason why you should not be concerned, is because the BTs are easily digestible by human beings and animals. With, with certain insects, they have an, an alkaline digestive system. They can't digest that type of protein. We, in our bodies, and same thing with animals, we have acid digestive systems. We can digest that type of protein. Also, that a, a, a similar reaction occurs in the body when you get the COVID shot, where the body produces a protein it wouldn't normally produce to kill the COVID. So if you're okay with the shot, you probably should be okay with BT corn. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. We're going to get back to your questions right after this. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. And there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. And everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. It doesn't matter what you grow, how much you grow, or where you grow it. Commodity Classic is the place to discover what's next in agriculture. Join us in Orlando for America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. Preparing for the next generation. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. And we are going to be taking your calls and questions here throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I had a field day question, Brian. Uh, this one came from Barb. And Barb said, hey, my husband and I went to the the field day on your farm this, this past summer. It was really interesting and a lot of fun. And I grew a few sunflowers for the first time this year, but I really love the sunflowers that I saw at your farm. I'm curious, do you know what kind of seed that it was? And, and is that something available on the market? Yeah, it sure is. Now, there are a lot of good sunflowers out there, so don't think that this is our huge endorsement we, of we this were raising, one We were raising them for show. We were raising them for show. Right. We weren't uh, We weren't going to combine them and harvest them for yield or anything. But whether we were or we weren't doesn't matter. Yes, they look good, but we can make a lot of sunflowers look good. But anyway, so nothing I'm, – I'm trying to be as neutral and impartial as possible before I give you a brand name. Uh, but they were from New Farm, and they were all oil seeds. But, yes, uh, they were they, – it, it was pretty good sunflowers. Yeah, thanks. Uh, also, thanks for coming to our field day. We really appreciate it. And it does highlight something, Brian. At the field day, we generally have at least a dozen different crops. So I know we get questions every year from people everywhere. Well, is it going to be mainly corn and soybeans there? You guys talk more about those crops than any others. Well, no. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of different crops out there that, that we're, we're doing different things on. So always, always interesting at the field day just to see what crops are going to be out there from year to year. Uh, speaking of crops, one of the things they need is nutrients. And CC has got a question here. If you have to apply 50 pounds of nitrogen, would you do all 50 at one time before planting or do you apply in small quantities a few times during the season? Uh, and just FYI, I really enjoy your videos. Uh, they are great and highly educational. It all depends on your situation. So I'm literally working on some stuff right now where we're talking about drought and, and how we manage things differently in drought. Well, the number one thing that I'm going to think about in terms of my fertility program is getting stuff out there early. We can still have really good yield, but you got to understand two things. Number one, with less moisture, it's going to be harder to get any nutrient in the plant. So ideally, I'd like to place that nutrient a little bit deeper in the soil where I have more moisture. But then the other side of it is we don't ever want our crop to run short on any nutrient for even a day. Because what happens is the plant will then try bringing more water in and you say, well, wait a second, if the plant doesn't need more water, why is it bringing more water in? It needs to bring the water in to try to get the nutrients in because that's how the nutrients come into the plant. So you see where I'm going with this. Plant doesn't need the water, but it's forced to bring in the water to get the nutrient. You've just made your crop a water waster. So our advice in these drought situations is we want to get it all on early. However, if you are if you have, let's say, light soil and irrigation or you get lots of rainfall in your area, well, then we're going to split apply that nitrogen and put it on just before we think the crop needs it. And you can see when the crop needs it. You can look at the different charts that are out there. We've often referred to Iowa State University. They've done an excellent job with corn growth and development. You can look at some of their literature. But again, there are other universities that put this same type of thing out, just showing when the plant brings the nitrogen in, when it needs that nitrogen, and you want to time it just before that need is there. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, this one comes from TF, who said, guys, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Early planting into cold ground versus later planting into warmer ground. Uh, that 
I tell you what, we'll get into that here, TF, just in just one second. We got Jeremy on the phone lines right now, and he wants to talk micronutrients. Let's jump back in with that. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you guys? Good, good. All right. You understand you're looking at some soil tests here. What What are you thinking on the micros? Yep. Um, well, this uh, I sent some tests into Midwest Labs this fall, and I went and did the Malik 3 um, extraction on them. And I'm looking to get your guys' opinion on, like, what you're looking for levels as far as the micronutrients, mainly manganese. Um, like, what you're shooting for or what's your ideal range. I know with the DPA test, you're shooting for 20 to 40 on manganese. Um, just wondering what you're thinking with the Malik 3 testing. Excellent question. You know, when we're looking at, at what type of soil test we run, we, we had been running a test running the DTPA extraction method on micronutrients. And we just, we liked the test other than manganese. And we felt like the Malik 3 gave us a better picture of what was out there in our soil. And our example was done on uh, a ton of different samples on our farm where we were seeing single digit manganese on DTPA levels. And then we'd get much, much higher numbers on on Malik 3. So, uh, Brian, what what do you want to say there for a range? Yeah, so first of all, we, we appreciate the question. And it's, it's funny that this question came in right now because I just, right before the radio show, was putting some stuff together on manganese for some meetings that Darren and I are doing here in December. And so I looked at, at our old data, and I don't care if it's corn or soybeans, we really want that manganese level above 50 parts per million. Now, does it have to be above that on a Malik 3? It doesn't have to be, but I can just tell you, we don't have any high yield stuff where our level's below that. So I'm shooting for at least 50 parts per million, and ideally I'd like a little bit more than that, but that's kind of our minimum that we're shooting for. Sure. Yeah, because I... Uh Without looking back, yeah, I was like the DTPA, I was in the single digits, maybe up to 20. Um, now with the Malik test, I pretty much got every, uh, pretty well 60 to 90. So, sure. Um, oh. I'm curious if I should be still putting any more on or just leave it at that for now. Or Yeah, so if you're at 60 to 90, I'm probably leaving it at that. Um, what we have found is that once we get up, up to that kind of level over 50, we're not seeing like this big correlation to, oh, higher levels of manganese. You know, I'm at 100 or 150. We're getting a lot more yield. A lot of our other things, like on our farm, and I'm just talking about our farm, so I don't know for sure where you're at on everything for fertility levels on your farm. But I'm just saying like for us, we have to get our P and K and all these other levels up really high before that manganese starts to be the yield limiting factor as long as we're up above that that 50 or so on the Malik. The other thing when you go back to the DTPA testing and the reason why we just aren't real big fans of that for or for manganese, we like the Malik 3 better for manganese. Nothing wrong with the DTPA for any of the rest of the stuff. But with manganese, what we see is a dramatic correlation between soil pH and DTPA manganese levels. So I can have the exact same spot in the same field. If I can get the pH down in the fives, um, all of a sudden my manganese level looks great. If I have the same spot, same field, same amount of manganese there, and my pH is eight, I'll show almost no manganese. So yep. I, yeah, I agree on that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that's the reason why we like the Malik 3 for manganese and yes for me i would say as long as you're above 50 parts per million it's the odds that that's your yield limiting factor anymore probably pretty slim the other thing sure. for any of our listeners here manganese is kind of an expensive micronutrient 
I honestly don't mind it if my soil, well, I mean, I'd like my soils all to be perfect, but I, I don't mind it as much if I'm a little short on zinc or copper, because quite frankly, those things are fairly inexpensive and I can fix the whole soil profile quickly easily, efficiently, the, the nutrients don't move. I, I mean, I don't mind that. But manganese, it's I don't like writing the check for manganese, I'll tell you that. So yeah, my advice for you, I probably wouldn't be spending any more on manganese. If you want to do just maybe a tiny little bit of chelated stuff with a planter or foliar, I mean, you can certainly try some of that. But I don't think raising your soil test levels is probably going to help you. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah, no, that's good. That's. Uh, I just want to double check on that. Like I said, I um, I do a little bit of the planter every year, but I haven't done anything with Well, in the past, we didn't put manganese sulfate on, and like I said, wasn't yep. seen nothing changing in the soil, so then I quit, and yeah, now we did this one, and yeah, I'm actually showing some decent levels, so it's like, well, I wanted to just see, I guess. Um, yeah. And then, like, zinc and copper and all them, I, well, actually, the zinc, basically, the zinc and phosphorus, I'm pretty close to the 10 to 1. Sure. Um, because now with the phosphorus, that goes, so I'm basically showing 60 to 70 parts per million on the phosphorus okay. um, with this malic. Okay. And that's more um, like the P2 braid yes. test, right? Yes. That's what's um, available today and what's probably going to come available during the, the course of the next growing season. So, yeah, I mean, 60 okay. to 70, it's certainly not bad. It's just not like super crazy high. That It's yeah. whole different than if you had yeah. 60 to 70 on an Olsen test or a P1 Bray. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I'm keep work, keep building that up. Or you bet. A bunch of that, I guess. So, working on that. Okay. Sounds um, good. Do you have another question for we have, we have, we have, I'll, I'll tell you what. We have time, but uh, we got to take a quick break here. Just stay with us, and we'll get to your next question right after this. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts? We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. 
It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Just before the break, we were talking to Jeremy over in Minnesota, and uh, we ran into that break, so had to hold his uh, next question until after the break. So, Jeremy, thanks for hanging on with us. No problem. Um, my question is... Um for planting and soybeans, planting soybeans, uh, a couple years ago I did uh, a couple quarts of uh, some micronutrients, or uh, agro-liquid ones, okay. um, in furrow with four and a half gallons of water, so it's five gallons total in furrow. And uh, on the lighter ground I got burnt. I don't know if you guys remember that. I know I yep, did it and we talked about it a little bit. Yep. <laughs> um, so last year I moved it over to two by two um, with the planter, which kind of not really a two by, two by two, it's basically two inches to the side, but probably about even with the soybean seed. Um, the other day, I was actually going through some of the old uh, uh, the soils, your guys' soil workshop book, Yep. and it said, um, like, the soybean roots grow straight down from the seed, unlike the corn, you know, it, they kind of go up and all over and, you know, be able to get that, that two by two fertilizer or... Mm-hmm by even fertilizer sure um do you think i that soybean seed is actually using any of them micros and yes a fertilizer i put two by two with the planter or yep yep we do um, the, the the thing is what we're talking about with soybeans going down they are a taproot plant and so yes the main root system is going to go down but they are going to have lateral roots that are going sideways and i have pulled up and dug up plenty of soybean plants in my life and i know that those roots are out further than two inches two inches is not very far so it's probably not a bad thing for you to have it that way because it's the plant's going to be more established it's going to be a little bit bigger by the time it actually hits that so we're not going to call two inches over to the side necessarily a starter fertilizer for soybeans it's just a fertilizer for soybeans because it's not going to be there day one when that plant gets the gets the root going but it won't be long and the plant should be pulling some of that in so after you did that did you see any positive or negative response from that this year uh as far as the two by two stuff yeah or two by zero in your case but yeah 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 (laughs) sure yeah um I, yeah, I mean, nothing, I did a couple of yield checks, but I, I mean, I, 
I actually didn't do it with a way wagon. I just reset the yield monitor on the combine, but it wasn't hardly like anything that um, really showed up this year, I guess. Sure. Because um, like I said, the main thing I was putting there was, it was a quart of micros or micro EX and then uh, another quart of manganese just because, um, like I said, I wasn't sure about that manganese situation or micros or test and all that in the first place. So I've been putting uh, yeah. a quart of that down just, like I said, to get help with early germination or, yeah, early vigor and germination that, it, you know, they say it helps with. So. Sure. Yep. yep. Um, but, so like I said, I wasn't sure if you think I was gaining anything or with that putting that fertilizer there or how long it's taking yeah. so I mean to get to it. Like I said, it's not like the corn that in furrow where it's right there day one to get it going faster. So Yeah. So there are a couple of things here. First of all, a lot of people really focus on, well, did it gain me anything this year? And I, I have I, I try to think about things as and try to be as open-minded as I can. And I always look at what's the worst-case scenario. Okay, let's say it doesn't. Let's just throw it out there and say, okay, it gains me no yield. Worst-case scenario, we have put some micronutrients back in the soil that sooner or later they'll get used. If they didn't get used by this plant, they'll get used by another crop in the future. And we know we're removing some amount of micronutrients. It's not like you spent a fortune putting this back out there. And also we have really good commodity prices today. So if we ha- if we were on our last dollar and we said, I got to survive this year can I possibly make it without these things? You probably can, but you don't know at what point it's going to hit and you're going to say, uh, I, I gave up three bushels there or whatever it would happen to be. So is there a chance that this is paying? Um, yeah, there's there's always going to be a chance, but especially when we're talking high commodity prices and grand total, did you spend $10, $12 doing that? What do you think you spent there? Yeah, probably about that, I suppose. Okay. I mean, yeah. So so here's kind of my point. Let's say it's 10 or $12. That's less than a bushel of beans. And so we ha- we run into the same thing when we're testing a lot of stuff on our farm and, and all our research guys in, in several states. <laughs> when, when we're looking at something where if we even gain one bushel, we almost doubled our money. That's hard to detect. You have to really pay attention to see, did I gain a bushel or did I not? And even two or three bushels sometimes, it's kind of hard. So I I know your crop got to those nutrients. Did the crop need the nutrients? That I'm not sure of. Um, So with the manganese, now that you've told me what your levels are, I'm probably less interested in the manganese moving forward than I am the micro EX, the other the blend of a bunch of different micros. But you know, I might keep experimenting with it. But yeah, I'm I I that's the one thing that I would say maybe I'd save my money on that that manganese. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of what I was thinking too. I'm just uh, well, it'd be nice to take them openers off the plant for planting beans. Is kind of yep. where because they're mounted to the U unit. I don't. Yep. I think they're screwing up my depth, which I don't like. But uh, I'm nervous to go back in furrow. But like I said, maybe uh, <laughs> I'm thinking I might. Uh, Maybe I'll uh, maybe if I move back in furrow, I'll probably maybe drop the manganese and maybe try and up the water some more. I don't know. I was talking to one guy and he said he runs a gallon of shirt K and a couple of micros in furrow and on beans at five gallons and it's just fine. But like, yeah, well, but I, th- I thought about that too. Even on the heavy ground, they, the beans didn't get hurt as bad as the, the light ground did that year either. So yeah, like, but well, but the whole thing is if you've had an experience in the past where it's hurt you, I, I mean. 
I I would I wouldn't go back to it. I just wouldn't. Even though theoretically, yes, it should be fine 99 times out of 100. If it's happened to you, you, you get skittish about it and I can completely understand that. So, if you're worried about it all that much, then I just skip it entirely. Would would I like to have the micro EX out there? Probably, but I also have, I don't I don't know, and maybe you've sent us your soil test. I don't remember how your all your other micronutrient levels are. Because it's the same question we get all the time about, like, starter fertilizer on corn. And guys will say, all right, should I do this or not? If you have medium to lower testing soil test levels, your odds of having it pay are pretty decent. But if you're really high on everything, your odds are a lot less. About the only thing that we gain sometimes is we push the maturity a little bit. To some people, that's a big yeah. deal. To others, it's not. So, yeah, I mean, after your your incident you had a couple of years ago, I don't know that I'm going to go. I, if if I was you, I would not go back to that. Yeah, yeah, which I probably won't. But like I said, I might keep doing the two by two thing just because it's nice to have them there early. Yes. And, yep. Um, like I said, the soil test levels are pretty decent, but it's like yeah, I, I I've checked it in corn enough with the two by two and in furrow, and it's well. The, it seems like every time I've checked it, it's probably about a five bushel difference or five bushel better. And yeah. Plus being a couple points drier or at least a point drier. So yeah. Like I don't even. Right. I but, don't even check it anymore. I just do it because it. Uh, yeah. Yes, you bring up an excellent point, though. Corn is more tolerant to fertilizer than soybeans are. So we do have to be a little bit more careful with soybeans, and that's where, and I'm glad you did the water thing. Usually that solves the problem, but otherwise it's lowering the rate or it's moving off to the side like you did. So, I mean, yeah. those are kind of your options. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, that'll work then. So. All right. Okay, thanks for the call, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yep, You bet. have a good one. All right, Darren, I don't know if we have time to get into that one question you started with before Jeremy oh, uh, called. Okay, TF had a question. What do you think about early planting into cold ground versus late planting yep. into warm ground? Due to an 8-inch rainfall, our May long weekend corn was less mature than our planted June 8th corn this year, and we suspect the May corn sat stagnant too long after that 8-inch rain, and the June corn well, just hit the ground running. Yeah, I, I mean, with, with rainfall... That, that that's something we can never predict. So we don't know if we're going to get an 8-inch rain. We don't know if we're going to have any rain. On average, early planting usually pays, and that's typically what I'm going to encourage you to look at. What's the long-term average on things? If you're going to plant early into cold ground, though, we suggest doing some extra things. It's a little more seed treatment. It's probably some insecticide, maybe some fungicide in furrow. Uh, maybe some biologicals, things like that. There are extra things you can do to help pop the seed out of the ground faster and protect it because it's going to sit there longer. But the flip side is you get your work done, number one, and number two, usually that means more yield. Yep, you're in, you're out. Yeah, there are some crazy weather events like that. And, man, when you flood soil and it's saturated, there's no oxygen. You kill bugs, you kill good bugs, and you kill root hairs. That's not a good thing. Hey, thanks for the question, though, and thanks to you for listening today. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.